Welcome to the Evangelism Training Podcast. I'm Josh Binner. So excited to be joined today by Thad Bergmeier, somebody who is not a stranger to our church. He's come here and done evangelism training, and I've been fortunate to have numerous conversations with Thad about evangelism. Thad, thank you so much. Hey, great to be here, Josh. And I'm just starting off, I'd love for you to share about the, the work that you do with every FNA and uh, the training that you do and just about who Thad is. Yeah, so... Uh, so I work with every ethne. So we are the North American team of ABWE. So we're a global sending agency. And uh, some of the things that are probably on our heart the most are church planting, reproduction of disciples, leaders, churches, and then even missions, movements around the world. And uh, so I help lead our North American team. So I'm the executive director now with every ethne. And uh yeah, get to spend a lot of time with pastors and churches and doing a lot of trainings, evangelism, and just helping them envision how do we reach our community with the gospel. Thanks so much. Um, I'd be curious, and I actually don't know if I know the answer to this from conversations we've had, but what is your origin story as far as your uh, work with missions and evangelism? I know that you were a pastor, but I don't know if that was always yeah. a significant focus of your ministry. What, what sparked this? It was funny. Um, it's not really funny. I mean, I pastored for 18 years and I would say evangelism was always kind of on my heart as far as something that we're called to do as a follower of Christ, not something I was ever good at. And I still don't think I'm good at it, whatever that means. I mean, you know, good at it. Um, I, the Lord got a hold of my heart when I was between my junior and senior year of high school. And uh, I had gone to a Christian school. Um, K through 11, came back that summer uh, from a camp, actually. And that later that summer, told my mom and dad, I'm like, yeah, I think I want to go. There's a couple reasons why, but one of the reasons why to go to a public school was that I didn't have any unsafe friends. Um, and so, or people that would say that they were unsafe. <clears throat> and so um, I just wanted to interact. I felt like the gospel had impacted me and I wanted to be able to build relationships to take that to people who didn't know. Uh, I wouldn't say I was always good at it. Um, now, fast forward, though, pastoral ministry. Um, I was actually at a church in Kansas. I was associate of pastor of a church out in Hutchinson, Kansas. And uh, we had a guy at our church that came to us and got really excited about this evangelism program. And I'm like, OK, uh, sure, well, teach me about it. Uh, how has it impacted you? And one of the things that... Um, well, it was the way of the master. And so he goes, well, come with me. And we went and sat outside the mall. We sat outside Walmart. He passed out tracks and began to have conversations with people. And I got to tell you, I was like, <laughs> I was kind of honestly embarrassed. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing here? You know, and then starting that process. But uh, God used that man actually to really give me courage and boldness, seeing him and how courageous he was with the God, with the gospel, that we ended up taking probably two or 300 people of our church. It was a growing church, a larger church. We probably took two or 300 people through evangelism training at our church. And just to see kind of the, the, uh, the fire that it built in, in the people of the church was amazing. So. Wow. That's uh that's great. Two or 300 people. That's, that's amazing. Also, I've been to Hutchinson, Kansas before. Fun fact. Have you really? Did you get some good bar, get some good barbecue? 
Um, I don't know if it's specifically getting barbecue. It's the Kansas State Fair is in Hutchinson, right? It is. That's one of the reasons why we took that many people through because we did an evangelism booth at the Kansas State Fair. And so we were there for 10 days, 12 hours a day doing we had a big big a banner up like hey are you a good person take the test and we had a religious survey if people would fill it out they'd be interested in or or entered into daily drawings and then a grand prize drawing at the end of the week and and we would have people we'd have about three or four people that would come in for a four-hour shift and we told them listen you'll share the gospel more in these four hours than you probably will the rest of your of your year now looking back on that now i'm not saying that was the best model for a church but it was a model that a church could use and honestly josh it's one of the things like like in my role now i'll talk to the pastors all the time and i would say stuff like tell me tell me what you do for evangelism training and they're like well i don't like this about this one and i don't like this about this one and i don't like this about this one and maybe you felt that actually when we first talked and I'm like, so what are you doing? And they're like, well, we don't do anything. I'm like, well, do something. I don't, there's no perfect model. Sure. Well, I think my circle is pretty close, but I mean, there's no perfect model. Uh, do something, train your people on something. And so I reflect back on the now and like, I don't know if it was like, hey, come share the gospel for four hours at the Kansas State Fair. And then you're released of your responsibilities for the rest of the year. I think that's what a lot of pe- people end up doing. But the reality is, at least they were doing it. They were doing something, you know. Yeah, that's definitely very important to to be active. It, it's interesting that you mentioned that some people they probably didn't do, do a whole lot. I, I do feel like for some people, it can almost be looked at as kind of like a box we need to check. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think ideally, and I'm not a master of this by any means, so I don't want to be on, you know, but. But really, I think it should be kind of a, a lifestyle and a way of life. Mm-hmm. And I'd be curious to your opinion. Why do you think it, it's such a challenge? I mean, people people are busy. People have families. People have, like, we, we get that. But why is it such a challenge to live missionally for so many Christians? People who are sincere Christians. Well, I, so you... Okay, you threw in that sincere word there at the end. <laughs> you know, um, I remember back, I mean, it was probably back about that time that we were going through all that stuff with that church in Kansas. I preached a sermon on why Christians don't evangelize. And I remember just brainstorming, talking to lots of people, coming up with maybe here's the top five or six reasons why. I think number one reason is because they're not saved. Mm. Now, you use the word sincerely Christian. Okay, so like sure. truly regenerated. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But I think there's a lot of people, a lot of people that are in the church that flirt around with the things of God, but have never given their life to Christ. Um, you know, Paul writes in Colossians chapter three, and uh, he's talking about putting off, you know, think on heavenly things and then put off the old self, put on the new self. But in the process, right before he does that, he says these words, he says, when Christ, who is our life, appears, um, then you also appear with him in glory. And I often wonder sometimes, Josh, do you think, do you think some people who profess Christ, it's Christ who is a part of their life, but isn't their life? Hmm. 
yeah, that's that's an interesting way and to so, put it. Yeah, you know, like we add Jesus to all the other things of our life, and we say, "Man, it's great to have him," and now my eternal eternity is secure. But don't have a passion for him. I don't talk about him. I don't read his word. I don't pray. I don't um, engage in his things. I'm not. He isn't my life. So I wonder if that's the case, but then there's the reality of there's fear. There's, I mean, Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. He said, don't be timid. I mean, we can relate to that. I mean, I can like, there's fear, there's timidity, there's, it's not easy. You know, we're the fear of man tangles us, grips us. Um, we're scared that we don't know what to say. And so, you know, I could ramble and ramble and ramble, but what, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, come on, you're the, you're the host here. Do you think yeah. we're on the um, right track here? What do you? It's interesting. A minute ago, when you said, you know, Christ who is your life. And, and certainly I would agree that I think there's a lot of people who make faith almost like a hobby. It's something that you kind of, you, you do, you, you dabble in a little bit, but it's not like the center of your life. And if it's not, certainly, I think that's a fact. I think part of it is culturally. I think we've really been trained not to talk about faith by our society, at least in America. Um, you know, I mean, that's the, the saying they always say, don't, you know, don't talk about religion and politics. I think a lot of a lot more people I feel like are comfortable talking about politics. But as far as talking about religion and faith, um, I feel like people can really shy away from that. The, uh, uh, person from our church made an observation several months ago and it has really stuck with me you know there's some countries in the world where they really persecute and crack down on christianity and, and try to silence it and in america it's almost the opposite where like there's so many other voices even within churches some of whom are good some of whom are not um that i, I sometimes wonder if we feel like we get almost drowned out that if somebody goes to some off the rails church that you might not believe what they believe but you don't necessarily feel equipped enough to explain like why they might have problems or you know be heretical potentially um i think part of it and this is something that you've said to me multiple times uh so i don't want to steal your thunder i think sometimes people feel like evangelism is like a spiritual gift and it's not Mm -hmm. that you know because like not everybody's called to to be a preacher not everybody's musically gifted. I'm one of those people. You, they wouldn't want me singing on Sunday. And, and like, nobody cares that you don't do something that you're not gifted at. And I, I sometimes wonder if we have that kind of as a, a cop-out for evangelism that I'm not, I'm just not gifted at evangelism. Um, when it's a skill, I think that's part of the, what I like about my circle training, that it's a skill that you can work on and develop and improve upon. Yeah. I mean, I think you're hitting on a lot of really helpful things there. I think like like if we look textually in the Bible, um, like the early church, I mean, they embraced the Great Commission, you know, all of them. Um, they embraced that it was a call for them. So the church begins to grow in Jerusalem, right? God brings persecution in. We have the martyrdom of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Then Acts chapter 8 says Saul is ravaging the church. And what happens is the church just like they run, right? And so the church is going all over the place except for 
the apostles stay in Jerusalem. But there's an interesting uh, statement made in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. says, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them Christ. You have two different Greek words for preaching. One is just this general proclamation of the gospel. The other is what you do on Sundays, right? It's, it's more that, you know, hey, we're proclaiming Christ. Uh, I actually think that we're all called to be preachers at some level. I mean, you know, that we're all called to preach the message, but some are called to be preachers. Yeah, I would agree with that. The, the passage, 2 Timothy chapter 4, comes to mind where Paul tells Timothy mm -hmm. to preach the word. And obviously, on the one hand, he's specifically talking to Timothy. But I think what he's saying about preach the word in season and out of season and people wanting to have their ears tickled um, and, and being faithful to sharing the gospel. I'd take that passage as something that applies to yeah. all Christians. Yeah. Hey, you know, the other thing you talk about why people don't don't do it it's kind of the sister of all the things we've been talking about but it's just a love for christ it's a love for him like we talk about that which we love right so yeah when this thing drops when you publish this uh this podcast beginning of september like my guess is no one has to twist your arm to talk about that football team in down in central ohio can't even really say their name, but right. I mean, no one has the to Ohio twist their arm. University. Yeah. Is it? Why is it a definite pronoun there? The. Anyway, an article. Article. Whatever. It's that's how much I despise it. It it ruins my grammar. Um, <laughs> but no one. I mean, look. My guess is if they if they're lucky enough to eke out a win on September third then like you're going to talk about it right sure. why because it's passionate to you it's a part of your life it's it's you love it and so man what would happen if the people in our churches and i know this used kind of this illustration is used all the time and it's just kind of like i don't really like it but like well what if we had that kind of love for christ where we just want yeah. to talk about it all the time i think that's really important uh do they have aldi in cleveland the grocery they store do. thing. Yeah. People, I feel like Aldi makes evangelists of people. People love Aldi. <laughs> you go to a restaurant that you like, you tell people about it. The first time I ever went to Chick-fil-A was because a friend of a friend had talked about it as if it was basically going to heaven. How and I was like, I have to try this place. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah. And that, yeah, uh, there's a C.S. Lewis quote in there where he talks about how naturally, it's almost like part of truly enjoying something is to glorify it in. yeah um yeah. and yet with faith we're so often like hands off keeping it at a distance mm -hmm. yeah i don't know part of it too part of the challenge um you know our, our culture has gotten more secular over the last 50 years over the last 20 years mm -hmm. and so i don't know part of that too is we I don't know if for Christians, we still have this mentality that we live in a very Christianized nation, which I would say in our historical roots is still true. But I, I don't know if we maybe take it for granted that just people know the gospel and 
Yeah. Um, you know, have lots of Christians in their lives, which some people do, but uh, certainly not everyone. So, you know, it certainly depends on where in the country you live and the circles that you associate. Yeah. With. And certainly where you live is a little bit different from where I even live, you know, but like sure. the, the smaller towns, smaller communities, I think the liberalism and the anti-Christianity starts on the coast, starts in the major cities and universities, and then begins to kind of infiltrate in like a, I was going to use the word plague, but that sounds like a bad illustration for the world in which we've lived in recently, but sure. just kind of takes over, you know? Um, and so I think some of the smaller town communities are probably last to be affected by some of those things. Um, I don't know that for sure. I mean, that's just a speculation, but yeah, I think that's fair. So, so there's probably more of a God fearing sort of mentality in where you live. Even when we were in Kansas from 2000, when we moved there, 2004 to 2011, I mean, they still, the public schools wouldn't give homework on Wednesday nights because that was church night. Now, I don't know, they probably changed that since then, but like sure. even then, I mean, that was just a part of, of life. So. Yeah, when I lived in Minnesota, um, I know, I don't know if they didn't give homework, but like sports teams tended to not have games on Wednesday nights because yeah. that's when a lot of churches did activities. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think the, the, the part of the country matters. You know, I think in a, a small town, I think that can also be a, a double-edged sword, though, because I think it can give people this false sense of security that, once again, that people know the gospel. To, to borrow a quote from uh, my former pastor, Eric, in Minnesota, who I served with, most people in the town know what church their funeral will be at. Uh, if they're actually involved in that church is is a different matter uh, you know i think a place like cleveland or a place like chicago uh, you know i, I think a, part of the challenge is in, in those places there's people who aren't walking with christ who know that they're not walking yeah. with christ i think a, a concern i always have in a small town is that there are people who aren't walking with jesus who don't know it because it's a very church saturated cultural yeah yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they need the gospel as much as absolutely the people who don't know, you know, and it's applying the gospel to, to everyday life. So it's good. It's good. It's not easy, man. Josh, it's not easy. I've got lots sure. of friends right now that are just uh, don't know Christ and I'm just continue we, we, we've been friends for a long time and we've had conversations but still trying to process okay how do we take the next step and how do we go deeper and how do I continually give them opportunities to respond to the gospel what does that look like how do I pray for them you know so well I think that's part of the challenge too that it, it takes time and there's no guarantee it'll even be fruitful but and I I think that's one of the challenges of our culture with evangelism that I think sometimes we have this kind of Billy Graham mentality that like he would mm -hmm. preach one crusade and thousands of people would respond. And certainly yeah. that can happen. You know, I think you can share the gospel one time and it can just click. Um, 
but I don't think that's I think that's the exception more than the rule that usually right. it actually takes a lot of time to be faithful to be willing to have conversations to be, to be willing at times to look foolish mm-hmm. um, you know I, I think that's one thing people need to understand that like if you're talking to somebody who's not a Christian and they ask you a tough question um, maybe it's a question about the Bible or maybe it's a more philosophical type question if you don't feel like you know the answer you can say that yeah or you can look into it even yeah um and and, because i think that and i feel like you might have touched on this a little bit in the beginning because i think that can be a hindrance sometimes of people feeling like i don't know enough to do evangelism you don't have to know it all you'll never know enough yeah absolutely that'll always be a hamstring there's someone that knows less about it than you do find them talk to them you know, it's funny. I was, I mean, I know we're kind of shifting gears a little bit, but now you're good. Um, but I was uh, with a friend of mine last week, two weeks ago, and we were talking about some of his neighbors and how he's building relationships. And he said, there's this one neighbor that he's invited to like a Bible study, a couple of things. And the guy always blows them off. So he goes, you know what I did? He goes, about once a week now, I text him some Bible verses and some thoughts. He goes, if he won't come to the Bible study, I'm going to take the Bible study to him. And the guy is responding. He's like, hey, thanks for thinking of me. You know, because he'll say like, hey, I was reading the Bible today, thought of you and thought you might be encouraged by this, you know, and send him a verse or two and then a couple questions. And um, and the guy has been like starting to be receptive. I'm like, that's a brilliant idea. What a great idea. Yeah, I'm just going to text Bible verses to my friends. Well, that is one of the things that we have the advantage of now with technology that you don't mm-hmm. even have to be invited into somebody's house. Yeah. Um, you know, that you can, you can share, especially yeah. I think if you have a relationship with a person that, you know, already have that. Um, yeah, I don't know if I would encourage it. If you've met somebody once and don't really know them, they might not care exactly. what you think, but you know, when there's an actual relationship there, um, one of the questions I had wanted to ask is, and I know this comes up in my circle of training is um, what do you think the role of prayer is in evangelism? It's everything. I mean, we're powerless without God moving. And so prayer is acknowledging that we're dependent upon the Lord. And so um, God, God does, and he may bless you in some efforts without praying but uh, more often than not your eyes are opened uh, the the fields are softened when you are intentionally praying for unbelievers in your life and asking god to do do a miracle amen you know um i would also be curious your thoughts you know obviously we've talked a lot about evangelism at a one-on-one level, but if somebody actually comes to a small group or comes to church or comes to some activity with people from the church, uh, what do you think the role of community is in the process of evangelism? That's a good question. Um, I think model, model relationship, model grace, model mercy, model what, community looks like what biblical community looks like what patience what forgiveness what uh extending that to each other 
like I would think, um, I would think that there's a way for a community of believers to respond to each other that is because they have the Holy Spirit that's different from a group of unbelievers gathering together. So group A, Christian believers interacting with each other. Group B, a bunch of unsaved people reacting to each other. How is group A different than group B? How could it be? How should it be? Because the Holy Spirit is alive and active in them. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. You know, I mean, ask, I mean, ask your small groups, ask your community, ask your, like, how are you responding in, how are you responding in this situation that can only be explained because the Spirit of God is alive in you? Like, you can do something that an unbeliever cannot do. What is it? As far as just giving your, your testimony you know? and living a life where you're bearing fruit. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think I think if if unbelievers come, they should be drawn into like, boy, these people actually actually care for each other. Like it's not just surface deep. Hey, these people actually sacrifice for each other. These people actually are patient with each other. Um, there should be a draw, I would think. Like, you know. I think people want that. People want community. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, it's interesting. Some of these things I've seen, maybe you've seen articles about this too, the, the metaverse, as they call it. <laughs> and to me, it's the saddest thing I've ever seen. Um, of, you know, more and more things being digital. And I think you and I have actually talked about this before, that it's something that I think is really an opportunity for the church both today and historically, of that our society is getting more and more spread apart and digital and screens and losing that authenticity. And I think that real genuine Christian community is going to be something that truly sets the church apart. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that's always been important, but I almost wonder if in the future, and I feel like 20 years ago, I, I think a lot of times even today, such a big emphasis is on how good the teaching is at a church, which is important. You know, I, you know, I, it, yeah. it, it's very important. But I almost wonder if the quality of community and the love that the people have for each other um, more and more is going to be yeah. the thing that's truly the draw of a church. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. I, I, I think, I think community can in evangelism efforts. You know, um, Jesus never sent people out by themselves either. Just think about that. So Jesus worked in teams. Yeah, most gospel efforts that you see in the scriptures are teams. Even Paul on his missionary endeavors were all teams. So even at the end of, you know, the first missionary starting the second, when Paul and Barnabas kind of have their little rift, their little split, even when it says, okay, we're going to go each separate ways, they each grab someone else to take with them, you know? Um, 
I think one of the only, I'm trying to think my mind's, so maybe here's a Bible question for you. I'm trying to think, are there any examples of someone that does it by themselves? Other than Philip, maybe the Ethiopian eunuch, where he is, you know, placed in a unique situation where this guy's out wandering on his chariot going, hey, have you ever heard of Isaiah? Like, I'm reading this. I don't understand it. Do you understand what that is? <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> so, but most of it's in teams. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point uh, that oftentimes it is a, a team effort. Um, maybe that's part of the reason why we make it more of a challenge sometimes that we... Hmm. We're not as equipped or, or good with sharing the gospel individually, let alone working with another person to also do it. Yeah. Uh, this is a point that you made when you came to our church and did the My Circle training that, that comes to mind too, that you know, part of the challenge is a lot of times we're not even, too many Christians struggle to talk about their faith with other Christians. Um, you know, at a, at a deeper level than just kind of vague generalities of, you know, kind of cliche statements. Well, God won't give you anything that you can't handle or, you know, but like how we're actually doing and the real struggles that we're facing and the real victories that we're experiencing and the real yeah. things that God is teaching us. Yeah. Hey, interesting story about that. Like, so a trivia question, what's the most impactful sermon ever preached on American soil? What would you say? The first sermon that comes to mind is uh, probably the one you expect me to say, Jonathan Edwards, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry yeah. God. Okay, good. All right, you passed the test. Did you know that the uh, it became so popular, it was the second time he preached that sermon? I did not know that. The first time he preached that sermon was at his own church. And it um, it actually says that people left the sermon going, hey, I wonder if the weather is going to um, hold up for us to get the hay out of the fields this week. You've probably had that, like people respond to your sermons like that, right? Like that was the response. It was only a couple weeks after that, that he went to this little conference and literally the the preacher at the conference didn't show up so they asked him hey do you have anything and he went literally to his saddlebag which is on the side of his horse grabbed sure. the manuscript and preached sinners in the hands of an angry god um my point is that as christians sometimes we don't hear the word of god and we're not impacted and we just are like even going to church and kind of living life it's all about the rigmarole of everyday life and who's going to win a college football game or or uh will the bears be any good this year you know um i don't know what teams do you guys cheer for over there probably a combination of cubs and of Cardinals, socks well illinois is going to be me there yeah, they're yeah. You're going through some suffering bears, for sure. I would say Bears is definitely the NFL team, even though we're about the same distance from Indianapolis as we are from Chicago. Probably slightly more Cubs fans, but 
Um, yeah, well, that's been a rough year. But anyways, like we walk out going, man, I can't believe this. and I can't believe that. Instead of like, sure. how did that sermon impact you today? Man, here, yeah. here's, well, here's what God did in my heart, in my life. And I wonder if as Christians, we end up practicing those things more with, with our saved friends. It's easier to talk about those with our unsaved friends. So, man, if you're listening to this next Sunday, when Josh is done preaching, walk out and have a spiritual conversation with someone about what was preached. Or just even talk about what you're reading in the word with each other, you know? Yeah. And, and I don't, I'm not enough of a anthropologist. I, I, I always wonder how much of these things are just because our culture is so individualistic. Um, I was listening to a talk, they were talking about music, how, you know, a couple hundred years ago, if you heard music, either you were playing it or you went somewhere where people were playing the music. Now, most of our music consumption is either in the car or through our, you know, earphones, or, you know. Um, and it's not, ultimately, I think it's that way with everything that so much of what we do is individualized. And I think even the church experience becomes that. Yeah. Um, Man, your kids are young. So, hey, the number one thing I asked a question the other day to a bunch of unsafe friends, we were just kind of spending time together. I said, if you could go back and unevent one one invention in the last 10 years, what would it be? And so we kind of had this, it was kind of a fun conversation. But for me, AirPods, these things right here. Yeah. Get rid of them, man. When you have kids, forget it. It breaks down every car ride. I mean, it's so everyone's isolated. Ugh, hate it. I don't know. That's free. The, that was free. I don't really know what that would do other than your whole individualistic. Uh, sure. Kind of a statement. It's true. Yeah. Um, on, on my circle training, mm-hmm. The way I would summarize it in like an elevator speech is that a major focus of the training is evangelizing people who are already in your circle of influence. Either might be unsaved people who live in your own household or coworkers, relatives, neighbors, starting with people who are already in your life who are not walking with Christ. Um, and being careful for those people and um, being intentional and having mm-hmm. spiritual conversations and sharing the gospel with that person. That's kind of how, again, that would be like the blurb of how I would describe it. Uh, is there anything you would add to that? Because again, obviously the training is much more extensive. extensive yeah. Than yeah. I mean, we talk about operating system for missional living. So it is what drives all of your like, it's it's trying to put on gospel lenses so that you see everything that you do through the lens of the gospel. How do you how do you drop your kids off to the glory of God to school? How do you you know mow your grass or how do you go grocery shopping? How do you go to the humble hog and eat some good barbecue to the glory of God? 
you know, I had to get that in there somewhere, but like, how do you do that to the glory of God? It's not just about going to eat. It's going to meet, meet that young lady that we met, you know, and talk to her and see how she's doing and try and build a relationship and, you know, so it's a tool for every believer in your church to live an evangelistic life, a missional life, life with purpose. Appreciate it. And again, we definitely appreciated the, the training. Uh, I'd be curious, and I don't, other pastors who've done the training probably don't pester you as much as I continue to. Um, I'm, I'm kind of like something that just doesn't go away. But are there any stories you've heard from churches or pastors yeah. or individuals within churches who've done the training that you found especially encouraging? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of them. It's uh, one, so w- one local church here, uh, we were talking about, um, we actually did it in like three different weeks. And so we did week one and we talked about prayer. And he called me the next week and goes, you'll never guess what happened. This guy, because one of the things we talk about is praying for unbelievers, but like, who are the believers in your life that you can pray with, right? And so he was a, sales guy in his office his office had like six people uh his general sales manager that was in the office was also a believer and they talked a lot about christ but the other four guys were not and so he went to his boss the next day and said hey we're here at like 7 30 every day by ourselves do you mind if we just what if we just took two or three minutes every day or several days a week and just prayed really quick for everyone all the other people in the office so this pastor calls me and goes, like, he actually asked his boss, like, can we pray for all the other unbelievers in our, our office? Great. Um, there's another story of a church. We actually did some assessments for them and found out that they were not having gospel conversations. And so they're a very uh, disciple-making church, but they weren't evangelistic in that. It was about those who would come in who were already saved, and they would take them through some disciple-making stuff. And, so we went and did some tra- training with them. And there was one lady who was a hairdresser and she just started praying. So he's like, okay, God, I have all these people that keep co- co- coming to me every two months, every month, every, how do I build relationships with them? And, and actually try to get really intentional. And uh, the Lord actually allowed her to lead someone to the Lord within six months. Wow. And with that started, and then she started discipling her as a part of their discipleship uh, curriculum. And, um, so, I mean, there's a couple there, but yeah. uh, it's more of, you know, it's, it takes time. It, it don't think like, like everything's going to be immediate. Celebrate, celebrate the process and trust God for the results. So talk about and celebrate praying, engaging, and sharing. Um, praying for unbelievers, engaging spending time with unbelievers and having conversations with unbelievers, celebrate those things. And then hands off, trust the Lord that he's going to move in the hearts of those that he wants to move in. So praise the Lord. 